Welcome to Boxes and Lines, a different kind of finance podcast from a different kind of stock exchange. Featuring IEX founder Ronan Ryan and Chief Market Policy Officer John Ramsey. Now here to give you the straight talk on how the markets really work. It's Ronan and JR. Welcome everybody to the latest episode of Boxes and Lines. Welcome to Boxes and Lines. (laughs) (laughs) What the hell is that? All right. I, I, in honor of our guest. Okay. Oh, okay. that's true. Yeah. Our guest today is the Reverend <laughs> Boris Ilvesky, <laughs> former IEX employee, Boris. former head of business development, no, market, market development, development, sorry, market development at IEX. He got too big for himself, went to <laughs> Fairex, was acquired by Coinbase, and now he is the director of derivatives products at Coinbase, and he's a Damn good American. Welcome, mm-hmm. Boris. Uh, happy to be here, Ronan. Uh, JR, I, I, I... I thought you were just going to say Ronan, not with JR. <laughs> <I> just, <laughs> that would have been brilliant. <laughs> Every time I look at JR, I'm just going to make eye contact with you, Ronan. Yeah, that's, just that's the okay. two of us. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Everybody just ignore JR. Uh, the just way he's the looking two at me. of us. Right, great, yeah. to, great to have you here. You Boris, are looking at Boris. him menacingly. Boris is our second guest that we've done a podcast with face-to-face since uh, COVID began. Exactly. And it's been a podcast before, so it's going to be like Saturday Night Live once you uh, get to like five times and we'll have a special ceremony. But that's going to take a while. I, I just don't I just don't think that you should do podcasts if they're not like in person with your guests. Otherwise, it's just another mm-hmm. another Zoom meeting. Well, yeah. then they'll be few and far between. Cause, what can you do? Yeah. I mean, yeah. otherwise, we'd all have podcasts. You could just like have select recordings of your daily meetings. Well, exactly. Yeah. I mean. I can't imagine you want to go on any other podcast anyway, other than us. Uh, this is my uh, this is my second podcast in in the last uh, several years, and also my second uh, IEX podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so you're in great demand, yeah. yeah, right? The podcast community really wants to hear from Boris. I mm-hmm. I only say yes to a few select uh, mm-hmm. podcasts. We are all drinking right now a nice IEX liquidity oh, lit fine. lager. Oh, got nice outing me. I, yes. I didn't necessarily want to admit to drinking on the... Well, it's we after, after 4 p.m. We're, we're allowed to drink. Right. Markets closed. All is well in the state of Denmark. You have beer in yours? Yeah. No, I, Amateur. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What do you got? Seltzer? <laughs> yes. Fucking pro. <laughs> pro moron. All right. Let's get down to it. I guess we got to ask you some questions. We, I think, yes. John, don't screw this have... up. John Ramsey's going to ask you question oh, I'm number gonna one. Ask a, I'm going to ask question number one. Make it be a zinger. So, <laughs> FairX. So, you left us to go to this place uh, called FairX, mm-hmm. which is uh, a, a futures exchange specifically dedicated or directed to retail investors. Mm-hmm. Um, so, what was it that made you think that the trading environment needed a futures exchange for retail investors, given that futures trading tends to be fairly institutionally directed and involves a lot of leverage and complicated factors. And um, so what, what was the opportunity there that you thought? Well, you know, otherwise, the, the, other than the opportunity to leave IX behind as, as quickly as, <laughs> right. as, as possible. As humanly could. Well, um, you know, I, I was um, uh, very much interested in kind of going back to my roots in the derivatives uh, markets. And there had been a few uh, attempts at, uh, you know, making futures uh, go a little bit more mainstream, kind of the same thing that happened with equity options over the last 20 years. And, you know, my story going way back is I started, I was an early employee at an all-electronic options uh, exchange back when options were, like, very exotic. You'd never see, like, commercials about them. And even some of the original incumbent discount brokers didn't really promote them. But over the years, with the model changes, the economic changes, options really became 
huge. And, and, and you see it now. Every year there's a record in uh, options industry volume. That hasn't really happened in futures. It's kind of remained a very uh, institutional domain. And I think part of that is sort of the concentration of trading at one venue with one economic model. And, and we thought at Ferex we had a pretty good uh, approach to replicate some of the market structure and economics of equities and equity options in futures to grow that market. And we were just sort of still in the very early stages of that uh, when the transaction with Coinbase happened. And there's, I, I mean, I, I guess what John's asking too is there, there's demand from retail to trade futures? Well, um, and what what do we mean by, I, yeah. I can ask the questions here, but I don't need help in answering <laughs> questions. You give him question number one on the I, podcast, no, I, he turns I, into know, a salty bastard. Not enough for you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so when you say you're, retail. You're on mute, John. I'm not on mute. He he always does. So that. when you say say off. retail, Boris, can I just say something? I want to I want to say something before we go on. We're already so on. No, I wanted Boris, to. Re- no, I, I know you're already. Uh, we're, we're recording. On. Three, yeah, two, so one. Too late. Welcome to boxes and lights. <laughs> I just wanted to uh, to actually point out because I know I'll forget uh, later that my friend and and, and partner at Ferex, uh, now the head of Coinbase derivatives, a uh, guy by the name of Neil Brady. Uh, who was the principal uh, co-founder of Ferex, big fan of, of boxes and lines, uh, constantly uh, engaging me on, did you hear that one? And I said, I only listen to podcasts. Uh, Neil Brady is on. a legend. Uh, well, yeah, that's yeah. very artfully done, yeah. a nice way to kiss it's up. An Irish, to, it's an Irish uh, name, too. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. You know, he keeps bringing up your podcast. I keep reminding him that I'm not a listener unless I'm on the uh, <laughs> podcast. But, I, but I've he, listened to one, Neil, the one I was on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right. So, but when we talk about, or really talking about mm-hmm. retail, like uh, retail uh, people trading through Robinhood, is this? Are these people who are really using futures, looking to use futures for uh, increased leverage to speculate on things? Are they using it for hedging? Are they sort of a special group of retail investors? How would you classify them? So, I think it's a it's a mix of all of those uh, things and. In answer to like what you started saying, it's not that retail futures haven't grown at all. They have grown fairly significantly. And, and in fact, you know, I, I give the CME credit over the last few years, they've sized down their contracts for their flagship products uh, to make them more attractive to retail. And that has actually caused a decent amount of expansion in terms of volume. But there are a bunch of brokers that don't offer futures. When you say size down the contracts, can you explain that for the layman and JR? What you mean by that? Because <laughs> oh, sure, sure. So I just saw his eyes go like, Ooh, size yeah. down. So traditionally, uh, and I'll use uh, the most popular futures contracts, which are broad-based uh, equity index futures. That's sort of the most popular contract in the land of sort of financially settled futures. Uh, each futures contract references some underlying uh, either commodity, traditionally like like oil or or, or gas or you know pork bellies. Uh, but the most popular futures for institutional retail investors are S&P futures. It's what you look at in the morning if you're thinking, oh, is the market going to be up? Is yep. the market going to be down? They trade 23 hours a day. The size of the contract is basically, you know, here's where the index is. There's a multiplier. And it basically reflects your financial exposure of buying or selling a single uh, contract. So if the index level, uh, like uh, the NASDAQ, is at, I don't know what it is, thirteen or $14,000, and you have a multiplier of, call it, uh, you know, for the micro one, even like for the little one, is two, 
That's essentially a $26,000 exposure. Minimum trade. Uh, to, that's right. And you can't buy a, a fractional? You can't buy a fractional, but there's a decent amount of leverage, to your point, JR, uh, in futures. Uh, futures brokers and futures exchanges will set margin levels that determine how much capital you actually need, and they typically are a derivation of what is the volatility of the country. Right. So it's a leveraged way to express your opinion, whether you're speculating or if you're hedging a portfolio. It's a very So in answer to your second question, I think it's a mix. I think retail investors uh, will, will speculate on the direction of the market or a particular sector, the NASDAQ or the S&P, or now the price of, of Bitcoin or, uh, or Ether. And futures have two interesting qualities to them. One is the leverage. It's a way to make a broad-based bet on a financial index or a commodity uh, but it's also a very uh, easy way to go short. In equities, as, as you guys well know, you know, shorting is something that is a little bit more complex. You know, you got to borrow the stock, you got to, uh, you know, qualify to do it. Futures it's going not long available and going short. for it's retail. It's not available yeah. for everybody. Yeah. Uh, in futures, going long and going short is really the same thing. It's really your financial uh, exposure. And traditionally, institutional contracts have been like the two hundred thousand dollar. Range. So they were really designed for large institutional industrial users, almost, if you will, right. who are you know hedging their oil production. So each contract you're saying will be like 200000 Right. So by That's lowering right. it, they lowered the notion? Right. So if you're a buy-side institution, for example, and you have a portfolio of, of, of equities and you're trading all day on IEX and you have exposure to, to, to the global good market. good place to trade. Yeah, no, no, that's why I mentioned it. You know, I am here right Thank now. Thank you. Well, that's the least you can do, I you think, know, after I'll, abandoning us. Yeah, on, sure. on the New York podcast, it'll say something else. But they will use futures to, to hedge. Whereas a retail right. investor will just say, hey, you know, um, you know, I think the market's going up over the next few days or, you know, intraday. Uh, it's, a, it's a very capital-efficient way. Right. But even at lower contract amounts, it clearly prevent, presents a different kind of risk profile than uh, trading the underlying wood. And so one question I had is, because you know a fair amount about the options uh, market uh, as well, the you know retail investors have to be specifically approved for trading um, in options because mm-hmm. of concerns about additional risks that they may be um, subjected to. Does that exist in the futures markets or should there be some concern about Kind of figure. I realize that as an exchange, you're not qualifying people for trading in these things. Um, that's the job of the brokers. But no, no, and, and for sure, it absolutely exists. In fact, that structure is actually somewhat similar. In the securities market, you have broker dealers, and you have you know Finra. In the futures markets, you have FCMs, futures commission merchants, and you have the NFA, and they actually perform a very similar function. And even though my first love was always um, equity options. Frankly, I, I would tell you from a risk perspective, and I'm not just saying that because I'm now a futures person, broad-based futures or even commodity futures, even crypto futures with the volatility going lower, in many ways are frankly less risky than call it you know, options on GameStop. Not that I don't love options on games. No, of course. Love I did, G- I give mean, this guy any fucking hymn sheet, and I, he'll sing it. That, that's that's what I just heard there. That's what I just heard. Hold there. on, let me check. Let me check my notes real, uh-huh, real yeah. quick. <laughs> let me see if there's any. Good. So let's talk uh, Ferex to Coinbase. Mm-hmm. Uh, at Ferex, is it fair to say? Wait, hold on. Is there a sound effect we can use? Nice, nice. That's even better. Yeah. See, break into dance. Our soul down. Off the rails. 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 Off the r
off the rails. <laughs> so listen, right. Boris, uh, let me ask a question. Yeah, please. please. Uh, when you were Ferex, did you deal with crypto derivatives? Or you were just straight up regular futures? And with the acquisition by Coinbase, will you take me out to dinner? Sorry. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what, what are you doing there? There's nothing I'd love more than to take you out to dinner, number one. At Ferex, crypto was always on our roadmap. But we made a point of starting with the more uh, traditional broad-based equity uh, index futures. At Coinbase, our focus has definitely shifted. And so we are very much focused over the next you know, few months. The timeline isn't something that's public yet. But we're very much now focused on uh, rolling out. We, we won't tell anybody if you want to speak into the mic. Well, I don't, yeah. I don't, I'm not aware... <laughs> Other well, than Neil Brady, I'm not aware of anybody listening to this podcast, so it's probably <laughs> that's true. We're within sort of the the, the circle of trust, anyway. <laughs> you should see Jr.'s face right now. Yeah. Wow! Uh, Did you had you filed and had you regulatory approval while at Ferex to trade crypto? You just had decided not to, or so uh, the regulatory structure with the CFTC is a little bit different, as you as you guys may or may as not I know. well do know. It's a principal uh, space. Worked at the SEC previously. You may have heard I was acting director of trading and markets there. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, thank you. Yeah, no, 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 no. I, I th- no, but I, Boris said uh, the CFTC, you deaf bastard. I, I know what he said. They're very, it's a different agency. Also, f- fun fact. This and, is great and, in person, isn't it, guys? This is fantastic. Yeah. And also, just fun fact, and, and I just don't remember if I told this story during my first uh, Boxes and Lines uh, appearance a couple of years ago, but when I first joined IEX and I was sitting a couple of desks down from the Honorable uh, John Ramsey, I remembered exactly who he was because in my previous role, I used to come down to the SEC quite regularly to see him. And the look on his face of pretend recognition (laughs) uh, was probably the most hurt that I had experienced. Well, I mean, given your voice, I can't believe that I didn't remember. It it was the the, the insult that I felt. I was like, what the fuck is this place? you do tend to make an impression. You certainly have made an impression. Not on you. Not on you. Not on John. But John is like the nicest guy here. Yeah. But like everybody I talk to who knew him at the SEC, the SEC people like him, but the people who went to visit him, they were intimidated by Jr. <laughs> oh, I don't remember being intimidated. I didn't know, but at least I, I remember think, who you were. No, yeah. Boris is not intimidated by anybody, um, and I um, and I'm sorry that I didn't. Uh, it obviously has stung, and you've remembered it. So I'm sorry that I didn't. But we become, we become close. You friends did since bring it then. up on the last podcast, and pretty much every conversation I have between the two of you, I, everybody I ever talked to, I, I bring yeah. up that conversation, yeah. and I make a point <laughs> of saying, if if you ever talk to John Ramsey, just make sure to tell him that I'm not bitter. Uh-huh. No, no, you're not bitter. We've become close friends since then, and uh, I just hope that you can manage to get over it because it's a long time ago. You know, they say time heals all wounds, but they don't say how much time. So can we get back to the yes. yeah, CFTC? Mm-hmm. And it's not all about me, John right. Ramsey? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So These C- are rhyming. That's pretty good. Mm-hmm. So CFTC is a principles-based uh, regulator. So it, it's less about going and getting approval. It's more about you know, adhering to core principles of the Commodities uh, Act. And so uh, we were still in the stages of building up our um, equity index uh, markets. Uh, We had launched an oil uh, product. And those products are still alive. They're still uh, trading. But now we've definitely shifted uh, the focus to uh, uh, to crypto futures, um, uh, certainly for the time being. Nice. And is there there a lot of... uh 
this might be a stupid question. Is there a lot of retail demand for this or it's yet to be seen so we, when we, Neil tells us when the hell this is happening? <laughs> is there, we at, at Coinbase certainly can you call uh, Neil? believe so. He can be live on our podcast. We could probably, <laughs> we could probably uh, call Neil when he listens to this because, as I mentioned, he's a top five listener of, of the podcast. He will certainly say, Boris, I can't believe you didn't actually try to call me. But then Top five would, out of three. I don't yeah. like to share... <laughs> That's true. So he does not he like to know. share the mic. Yeah, we know about that. Um, yeah. But uh, but if you invite him, um, you know, I'm sure he would, he would we appreciate it. delete all this and have Neil Brady on. Yeah. <laughs> Backspace all over this, <laughs> yeah. uh, this thing. Right. Sounds like he knows his shit and can give us the answers. So uh-huh. we do think that there's a, a decent amount of demand, you know, as, as you guys uh, may or may not know. Uh, Coinbase has over 80 million registered uh, users, a lot of uh, daily really? active users. Mm-hmm. And one of the most sought after and asked for uh, products is is uh, CFTC regulated crypto derivatives. So we do think that there's a decent amount of of built-in demand for a regulated, uh, listed, cleared Bitcoin and potentially ETH. Well, I can products. certainly see why there are a lot a lot of participants out there that might um, uh, have an interest in that. So let's broaden <laughs> broaden this out a little bit. Yes. Um, and talking about fintech generally, you have left for a new startup um, fintech uh, entity. Fintech itself has been evolving in a way where our last podcast uh, guest uh, actually talked about this, about the evolution of fintech um, in a way where fintech companies have now started to compete with the, the incumbent players, not just sort of servicing or, pro- or providing vendor services to them. They're sort of competing with them. But there's also a lot of consolidation going on, um, as evidenced by the fact that Varex has now been acquired by Coinbase. Where do you, do you have a general sense about where the market is um, in terms of the trend lines? Is there a lot more, uh, do you see a lot more startups um, being launched? Um, are we kind of like into a consolidation phase now, or does it depend on what kind of products we're talking about? So I think it depends what kind of product you're talking about. You know, in, in crypto in particular, and, and you know, let's be honest, I've been in crypto really for the last couple of months. No, no, so no. no. Talk, not, talk know, with conviction. That's what we do in this yeah. industry. Well, yeah. if I mean, I'm not high conviction, yes. I don't know I, what, what I am. You know, that's what our podcast is all about. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what the F we're talking about. I don't even know how we got to this we, fucking room today. Yeah. So <laughs> just, keep, just go with it. And stop playing with your mic, Boris. <laughs> <laughs> I set this up and I you're upsetting me. What is the <laughs> optimal distance? And now it's like, I, I, you know, I just like st- step away into the next room, Boris. People will there you go. Now it's working. It's, 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 it's working. It's working. Now, now talk. <laughs> Answer part one of 17 of that last uh, yeah. question. Thank I, you. I don't even remember what he said. <laughs> I didn't but know. So I'm I, just gonna, I'm just while gonna, he was saying it, I forgot about it. I, I, I just some, heard Fuzzy Wuzzy was a woman or something like that. I have some prepared remarks. So... I w- so I'll make I'll make a couple of points. One is crypto is I think in a, in a league of its own. There's just there, just an enormous amount of focus. There's a lot of evolution, a lot of growth in, in crypto. I will say, however, that fintech is like a I don't know. You know, you guys may may agree or, or disagree. It is kind of a relatively new term. There was plenty of fintech innovation going back twenty years. It just wasn't called fintech. But ever since I've been sort of around, whether it was the, the ISE startup that I joined in the late 90s, there was a brand new uh, options exchange, but all of the, um, uh, you know, going back to sort of the original discount brokers, the Schwabs and the E-Trades, in the early 2000s, there were the Daytechs and the Thinkorswims and the Options Expresses. It just wasn't viewed as fintech, but today there's another sort of wave of, of personal finance apps. 
Some of them related to crypto. Some of them related to displacing uh, financial services incumbents, taking on the larger banks. And I think there's been a lot of focus on that for quite some time. So I don't think that's a new phenomenon. I would say that what it has in common in terms of the recent history, but even going back 20 years, is that there's definitely, uh, certainly in the U.S. market, just has been a lot of focus, probably going back 30 years, on the individual investor. The way that, at least in my experience, having worked for a Deutsche Börse, Eurex-owned entity, and becoming familiar with the European market, which is becoming more retail now, and you're hearing a lot more about fintech startups uh, in Europe, but there it's a much more recent phenomenon. I think actually in the U.S., the fintech sort of terminology is a little bit new, but uh, you know, uh, you could go back 20 plus uh, years and see just this continuing wave of, of consumer-oriented personal finance apps. And I think crypto is just uh, the latest uh, sort of innovation and growth area for that uh, continued uh, growth. Makes sense. One, one of the things that occurred you know to me- You know the way he said it? He, did, he didn't think it did. Acknowledged. <laughs> <laughs> moving, uh, moving on, Boris. You, you have to be here yeah. to see the eye roll. He's like, yeah. makes sense. No, it doesn't. <laughs> Next question, which I hope you actually answer this time, I, we're Boris. We're never going to get through this friggin' bi- yeah, podcast. By the way, who were you, you texting while I, was, uh, while I was making my statement? Who were you? He was texting me going <laughs> like, what the fuck is this guy saying? What is he even saying? And yeah. I texted him back going like, that's embarrassing. That, I, He's I, right I, here, John. I'm, yeah. <laughs> he does this all the time. Anybody, Back when he was acting head anybody, of the okay, SEC, yeah. of you. he yeah. used to send smoke you know, signals. Maybe that was okay when you worked for the government. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. One of the, the value of crypto uh, futures um, currently is it provides a, a pricing mechanism because you you know uh, there are no ETFs that have been permitted, um, but at, at least at this no, point. No, spot market spot. ETFs. There are yes, futures. Yes. There, there are right. futures, and so futures provides a pricing mechanism that allows those to. At the, so one, one question. I had was at the point where the SEC does start to allow um, ETFs trading in the spot, does that kind of undercut the need for futures trading um, in these instruments because you've got a more direct way of pricing uh, risk? So I, I think it's, uh, it's similar to how broad-based index futures relate to the underlying ETFs that have coexisted quite well uh, together. And I think that relationship is is, is going to be fairly uh, similar. I think from a leverage perspective, from the ability to go long and short in sort of a futures contract, construct, there will always be um, a, probably, I think, a robust market for uh, crypto futures, the same way that the innovation of, of ETFs themselves over the last 20 years that cover broad-based markets, uh, sector markets, commodities, ultimately hasn't really uh, hurt the adoption and, and the growth that the futures markets have experienced. So I think it's another alternative, uh, and it certainly opens up the ecosystem to additional clients, uh, additional types of uh, participants who may not uh, be direct uh, uh, consumers of, of futures. But at the end of the day, futures are also, you have to remember, a very important hedging instrument for the proprietary liquidity providers in equities, no different than the participants on IEX and other uh, equity markets whose names I can't even think of right now. Uh, are, they're unthinkable. Are, yeah, they're unthinkable. Yeah, they're I mean, who are they anyway? Yeah. They're all uh, avid uh, users of the futures markets as they're trading equities on the underlying stock markets. Well, certainly for any kind of mature market, you have to have a wide range and appropriate uh, mature vehicles for hedging risks in various types and futures to provide that. Boris, why don't you tell us your favorite story while working at IEX? 
that you're allowed to say on a publicly broadcast <laughs> podcast? I just can't think of one. It'll come to me in a few minutes, and then I'll tell. What is your favorite story of me? Uh, at I used to just flip it back around on on, on you. Uh, how bitter you are that John didn't recognize you <laughs> has it's always a, blown my mind away. Yeah, how, it's a good one. My favorite one is like pretty universal how you might be two to three feet away from me and talk to me like I'm a fucking quarter mile down the street <laughs> that you're so loud. I, there's so many yeah. favorites of yeah. uh, Boris. I mean, there are my people favorite at the story. company that still have hearing difficulties yeah. from uh, you know their exposure. So I'll give you a good story. Boris and I, we went to Chicago to meet with a bunch of... Oh, you uh, know what? That is my favorite story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I can't well, believe it. All right, I'll take the you other Chicago story. I know which one you're going to do. Uh, you front runner, um, <laughs> electronically front run. Haha. Yeah, I get it. Um, I get it. It's, yeah. it's a good, good stock so trading joke. We <laughs> <laughs> we we went to visit clients, and we were going to meet a particular client for lunch. And Boris and I said, "I will walk," and we left the hotel. And as we were walking, it was a fucking torrential downpour. That uh, for the rest of the day, we sat and smelled like wet wool and dead uh, wet rats. It was horrendous. But Boris has a better story. So I actually have two stories now. There's one story uh, that was probably on that same trip uh, where uh, it was actually three of us. Uh, we had another colleague with us together. We were about to go into um, into a meeting, and uh, Ronan, uh, who has uh, beautiful eyelashes, if you've never very, met Ronan, very long eyelashes, absolutely does. It's they are absolutely breath, breathtaking, breathtaking, breathtaking. Yes, uh, and like Bambi, like <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And uh, he had one of the uh, eyelashes stuck in his eye. And anybody who's ever had an eyelash in their eyes, mm. it's very mm. painful. He was, you know, practically, uh, he was in tears and in a lot of pain and discomfort. And I said, you know, Ronan, I, I, I can see. Anyway, the, the point is I saved Ronan's eye yep. because it was literally about to fall out of his head. He literally reached into my eye in out on the street hands. outside yeah. a client meeting. And it was, it was a fairly... Strangely intimate moment. Yeah. But, <laughs> but Boris retrieved said large eyelash from my eye. Wow. And, um, that's I very touching. Fucking dominated the meeting. Uh-huh. Yeah. I'm, I'm yeah. Sure I mean, you it really, you tend to we do couldn't it. have done that meeting without Ronan being at, at, at full, uh-huh. full steam. Right. Yeah. Yes. yes. Needed and 100%. He, you know. And he was able to effectively bat his eyelashes as he uh, tends yeah. to do in meetings in order yeah, to we closed, disarm we the closed. Disarm the opponent. Meeting. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. My, other, my other story, which Ronan will remember also, uh, was uh, we were, I believe, driving to uh, Ballackinwood, Pennsylvania. <laughs> oh, God, yes. And uh, I, I was showing off my fairly new uh, Tesla uh, that I was very proud of uh, at, at that yeah, time. Yes, I, I know how proud you are. And, and I couldn't hear uh, the navigation over the sound of my own voice, which Ronan can <laughs> appreciate. And I believe added at least a half an hour to the trip because I couldn't follow yeah. any of the directions as I was explaining to Ronan all of the wonderful yeah, features. Yeah, Boris gave me every feature of what this car can do, but what it seemingly can't do is speak audibly enough with the GPS <laughs> to get us to the fucking location. So we could change lanes without looking and go like zero to 700 miles an hour in one second, but Boris could not use the GPS, and we, we put like a half hour as a under-exaggeration. Well, what happened was that Ronan actually turned to me at one point and said, Oh, so, but I don't understand. Like, why, why, I mean, I see the map. Why can't you, what, what, it doesn't, it doesn't say the directions out loud. And I think, I believe what I actually said was, well, no, no, no. It's, I have the sound turned all the way down because it's, 
you know, it's 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 distracting me from what I'm saying. <laughs> and we we I think we barely made it just on which is just a metaphor time. for your path through life, right. the way that you approach. All right, then situations. we have a question that hopefully he prepared for. It's the question of well, questions. Well, I would I don't know how he couldn't have. I mean, yeah. I, I, he's already call, answered. Call this Neil once. if you don't have this answer. Yeah, we'll but do uh, it. oh yeah, we did uh, probably ask you once. Mm. You have to tell us your favorite Wall Street movie and why. Oh, my favorite Wall Street uh, movie. You know, that's a uh, that's a good one. I feel like I had uh, an answer a couple of years ago because we had this conversation. <laughs> we wouldn't have let you out of the tiny sweat booth that right. we used to yeah. record in. No. Had you not given us an And I just feel like, sh- I don't know. Well, this will be wanna... an interesting oh, exercise be like, to compare yeah. your answer. Yeah. I, I, I hope you pick the same one for the same reason. This is, this is Go. really, this Stop is thinking. really, Tell me. this is really, uh, really tough because I feel like, I feel like everybody says, um, you know, it's it's Wall Street, but I feel like I would have said no. Well, don't tell us what you think you would have said. I know, Just but tell now us what's you know, you know, you know we're now. fucking live and recording here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> FYI. Does anybody ever yeah. say uh, Die Hard because it's both a Christmas movie, but it also has bearer bonds in it? No. Can I, can I, can I like, because I feel so like. So you want to rewind it and go, Boris. What? No, so now we we're going to ask you the I, question. You know, let's, the question. Let's, let's just put it to bed. All right. So you're going uh, with Die Hard? Uh, uh, I don't know. Like, uh, you know, now I feel like I have to. All right. Now that you've joined our podcast, we must be happy to give you a pair of IEX boxes, uh, line yes, socks. Uh, thank God. Oh. Here. Yeah. Yeah. Wear them in have good health. pair of socks. What, what's your favorite Wall Street movie? My favorite Wall Street movie was Rogue Trader with Nick Leeson in it. Because oh. the book and the takedown of I've never been asked this so, question, and I'm am, so glad you asked it. I am so jealous yes. of, your, of your answer. It was a phenomenal book, but even the movie was pretty good. And how one guy who was a fucking complete chancer took down a 200-year-old bank. ING Bearings. Yeah. Bearings Bank. Bearings mm-hmm. Bank. It became ING because yeah. they bought them for like yeah, $1. But, but it was Bearings Bank. Yeah. Like an esteemed British establishment. Can we we edit out the last 10 minutes? And I would like now (laughs) to have Ronan's answer. To have Ronan's answer. Boris, uh, it's been an extraordinary time. Um, We've so much enjoyed having you here. (laughs) You just, I wish you listeners could see John Ramsey's face as he talks. Because he did not look like he had an extraordinarily good time (laughs) as he made that statement. It's wonderful. It's always lovely to see you. Boris, you're welcome back anytime except anytime in the next few years. Um, (laughs) We're doing another one of these next Wednesday. I mean, let's give it a rest for a little bit, but um, eventually. God bless you, Boris. God bless you and God bless all our listeners too. Oh, always a pleasure. I don't... Boxes and lines. I don't do accents. Over and out. Boom. Boom. Boxes and Lines is a podcast from IEX Exchange. It is hosted by Ronan Ryan and John Ramsey. Executive produced by Sarah Forster, with support from Benstown. For more information and to hear more episodes, go to iexexchange.io slash podcast. Thank you for listening to Boxes and Lines. The information and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational and educational purposes only, and IEX Group Incorporated and its affiliates do not make any representations or warranties as to the accuracy or completeness of the information contained in this podcast. Nothing in this podcast constitutes a solicitation or offer to buy or sell any securities or provide any investment advice or service. Some portions of the preceding conversation may have been edited for length or clarity. Copyright IEX Group Incorporated, all rights reserved.